Good morning, and we're glad that you joined us today for this worship time via our online podcast, and uh, we are excited about the opportunities that we have uh, this morning to uh, sing, pray, preach, worship with you today. Uh, Let me just share with you uh, and remind you that here at First Assembly in Monticello, we will be honoring the request of our district brethren, also our general council superintendent and our executive council officers in not having services uh, through the end of March. At that time, we will uh, consider uh, the situation and then make a uh, decision concerning uh, those future services. Uh, Let me encourage you to uh, pray for us. If you're a member here or here in the First Assembly, uh, we're thinking about you, and uh, of course we are going to be in contact with you throughout this process and this situation, but uh, we want you to be faithful to the Lord and serve God right there. Uh, Be careful, be safe, uh, do everything you can to protect yourself uh, during this difficult time, and draw, I pray, closer to the Lord than you've ever, ever been. God is in control. And he's going to take care of us, and he is building his church. And we believe the promise of God that even the gates of darkness will not prevail against what Christ is doing in these last days. So let me encourage you to be faithful to the Lord, serve God, and uh, be faithful to his church. Um, We always try to uh, begin the service with something uh, a little humorous. So we don't want to we don't want to get away from that today. So uh, listen to this little story. One Sunday, a farmer went to church, and when he entered, he saw that he and the preacher were the only ones present. The preacher asked the farmer if he wanted to go ahead and preach. The farmer said, "I'm not too smart, but if I went to feed my cattle and only one showed up, I'd feed him." So the minister began his sermon. One hour passed, and then two hours, then two and a half hours. The preacher finally finished and came down to ask the farmer how he liked the sermon. And the farmer answered slowly, Well, I'm not very smart, but if I went to feed my cattle and only one of the herd showed up, I sure wouldn't feed him all the hay. (laughs) Maybe that's the way we're feeling a little bit this morning, but We're going to do our best to honor the Lord, and we're glad that you've come along and joined us this morning. We believe that the Holy Spirit is just going to use this moment in your life and ours to draw us closer to the Lord Jesus. Well, let's begin with a song, a beautiful old hymn. It's uh, talking about our future with the Lord, and it says everybody will be happy over there. Not everybody's happy here, but over there. In that beautiful place called heaven, everybody will be happy. Amen. Let's sing it to God. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond, where the saved of earth shall soon the glory share, where the souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore. Everybody will be happy over there. Everybody. Shout and sing. 
his father's sisters brothers will be singing round that throne in that land where no one ever knows a care and the christians of all ages will join in the triumph song everybody will be happy over there For no burdens there will be for us to bear. All the people will be singing glory, glory to the Lamb. Everybody will be happy over there. Oh, everybody. And who kept us by his grace And who brought us to that land so bright and fair We will praise his name forever As we look upon his face Everybody will be happy over there Oh, everybody Father, we just thank you today for this wonderful opportunity to be together in the house of God. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will have your way in and through this service. God bless this moment of worship as we lift up the name of Jesus. We give you glory and praise in the wonderful name of our Savior. Praise God. Join with our worship team and let's sing to the Lord and glorify God this morning.
you thankful for the victory that only Jesus Christ can bring. What the enemy has meant for harm, God has meant for good. So thankful for his promises this morning that when I am weak, he is strong.
we get ready to sing this last song I just want to encourage you this morning no matter where you're listening from where you're watching from that it's okay for where you're at right now just to raise your hands and praise to the Lord I will bless the Lord at all times when things around me are raging when things of uncertainty happen I know where my hope and my help comes from. It comes from the Lord. And so today I choose to raise my hands. I choose to give praise to a God who's worthy. I give praise to a God that already has everything under control if I will just trust in Him this morning. Delivered me from 
Jennifer, get ready, if you will, to sing that again. Worship team, what a powerful song to sing in a day like this, in a moment, in a time, in your life and mine and in our nation. The Lord is our rock and fortress, our high tower. The psalmist said, I will lift mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. He made heaven and earth and all things that are in them. Today, the Lord is our strength and our shelter and our rock. Let's worship the Lord one more time with our worship team. Sing it to the Lord. You guys, amen.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God, we thank you. You are our shield and fortress. God, in times of need, you provide. Lord, you're everything to us. We give glory and honor and praise to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hear the Lord say this morning that His hand is about us, that His face is toward us, and even in the darkness of the moment, He is making it light because He is with us in the midst of this. The Lord says He will not fail us because His power is great and greater than our need, greater than our enemy. He says He will not fail us. He will not forsake us. His promise, the Lord says to you and to His people, is that He will be with us always. And the Lord says He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. And He will not forget you. God says, I have made a promise and I remember it even this day. I will honor my word and I will watch over it and I will bring it to pass. The Lord says today, do not fear, but trust in the Lord who is your God. For your salvation, your life, its blessing, and all that you have looked for and hoped for, the Lord says He will be that unto you. Praise God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for encouraging us with a word this morning. We praise you and give you glory, Jesus. Hallelujah. Phyllis, could we sing How Great Thou Art, O Lord my God? Will you join with me at home, you that are watching today? This is a beautiful old song. It's one that I grew up on all my life. Let's sing to him. He's a great God yes. today. Yes. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. Ah. Uh... 
When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble Absolutely nothing too hard or difficult for you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here in this place. And that across the broadcast, those who are watching, those who have connected with us in spirit, we thank you that your anointing knows no limits, knows no bounds. And that, Father, what you're doing in this room, you're doing elsewhere. Because you're an omnipresent omnipotent, all-knowing God. We're going to pray together this morning, as is our habit. We believe in prayer here at First Assembly. We don't take it as just a field time in our service. We don't pray just to be heard. We don't pray to satisfy somebody's need to, to be recognized. We pray because we believe what Jesus said. Ask it, it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, John chapter 14, I will do it. The Lord went on to say, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So this morning we are praying not out of presumption, we're praying out of faith. We're not praying out of religious obligation or responsibility we're praying this morning because we believe God has the answer for our need. This morning we would like to pray for all those on our prayer list today, but specifically Brother Charles Davis. We want to lift him up before the Lord. We want to pray for Melton Jones this morning and Renee Price. We want to pray today for uh, Linda Heflin. We want to remember this morning Brother Jerry Rhodes. And uh, we want to pray today for uh, Christine Pennington. We want to remember this morning some of our Assembly of God national officers. Uh, Brother Greg Mundus, who is the director of World Missions, 
for our general counsel has contracted the coronavirus is, and is in very desperate need of God's healing touch. Would you join with me this morning and believe God for his healing? Also, one of our wonderful missionaries uh, from the Far East, Brother Ron Maddox, has uh, been put into the hospital as a result of the coronavirus. We want to pray today for our own Arkansas missionary, Thomas Carpenter, who is very sick and uh, is improving but needs God's healing touch. Would you remember Ronnie Nobles this morning as he recuperates from surgery? Let's pray for all of these folks and believe God for his healing. Many of you have unspoken requests, things that are on your heart today. We just lift those up together with you at this moment. Would you join with me and let's pray together. Father, in the powerful, strong name of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, who is your Son, who is our High Priest representing us and our needs before the throne of grace, we thank you today that through His blood we have access into the very presence of God. Your Word says that we come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, Lord, we believe right now that the hand of God is moving as we pray, as we believe. Lord Jesus, you are moving and touching and healing and helping and encouraging and lifting up. Lord, we pray right now that you would heal the sick. Jesus Christ, we believe that you were bruised and wounded. The Bible says, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. We thank you, Lord, that your stripes bring healing to our bodies, to our minds, and to our spirits. And we believe right now that you reach into that room in the hospital, that you go into that place at home, that God, wherever the need is this morning, you are there. And we're believing that the manifestation of your healing power is just gripping our lives. We thank you for answering prayer this morning, for turning situations around in our lives. We thank you that you're the God of five loaves and two fishes. Uh, we thank you that you're the God who provides, Jehovah Jireh. We declare your provision in the lives of the people of God today. Lord, we thank you that as we sang just a moment ago, you have removed all fear from us because perfect love cast out all fear. We thank you for the love of Jesus that envelops us this morning. We pray for our nation. We pray for our president. We pray for all of his administration, our leaders, our Congress. Lord, we pray for our local leaders. We pray for our state leaders. We ask, oh God, for wisdom, for counsel. We ask, Lord, for compassion that, Lord Jesus, uh, in this day when people are in need, that the church of Jesus Christ would rise up and that we would communicate your love by the words we say and the deeds we do. I pray, oh Lord, that you'll just have your way. Send revival to America. Send the mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit that will usher in literally thousands and even millions into the kingdom of God. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. We pray for our world. We pray for all the nations of the world. We pray, Lord, for your healing power, for your intervention, for your help. We thank you, Lord, that you hear us. The Bible says if we know that you hear us when we pray, then this is the confidence that we have, that we have the petitions that we desire of God. Lord, we just believe you today to meet every need and encourage your people, lift them up and strengthen them, provide for your church. We thank you for natural provision. 
And we thank you for supernatural provision. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Well, God bless you so much for worshiping with us this morning and praying with us and believing God for his help in our lives. This is offering time, and obviously we will not be taking a formal offering here in the building, but we would encourage you to remember your church and its ministry, your pastors, and the needs of our church in uh, these next uh, few weeks. We uh, would encourage you uh, to help us by uh, remembering to be faithful in your finances. There are several ways that you can give, and I'd just like to take a moment to outline those for you. Number one, you can drive by the church office and uh, drop off your uh, your giving during office hours, that is from 9 o'clock until 4.30 in the afternoon, Monday through Friday, we'll be here in the office. Uh, you can mail your offerings in, uh, P.O. Box 473, Monticello, Arkansas, 71657. You can text and give, and the number is 870-890-4837. You can also download the Simply Give app onto your telephone, and you would be able to give to First Assembly that way. And then finally, uh, you can go to our website, www.monticellafirstfamily.com, and you can click on the giving portal and uh, follow the instructions, and we will be able to receive your giving in that way as well. Thank you so much for uh, remembering the house of God even. And uh, turn with us to Matthew, uh, his gospel, chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 19 through 34. Matthew chapter 19, verses, uh, Matthew 6, verses 19 through 34. Follow along with me, if you will. Lay not up for yourselves Thy whole body shall be full of life. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, or look, the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you? By taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature. And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, 
Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Heavenly Father, we just ask you this morning for the help of the Holy Spirit in these next few moments. Anoint me that I might be a capable communicator of the Word of God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will go into the homes, into the hearts of men and women today, and that you will do your wonderful work of grace, that you will love and minister uh, in the lives of people. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you have given us the power to live a successful overcoming life, we can truly, in these moments of anxiety, in these moments of worry, in these moments of fret and fear, I thank you that you have given us the ability to win and to conquer over all these things. Lord Jesus, challenge us today to be your faithful followers, and we give you praise in Christ's name, amen and amen. I want to preach to you for just a few moments this morning on the subject, winning over worry. There are over 7 million people in America who suffer from GAD. And that simply stands for Generalized Anxiety Disorder. That amounts to a little over 3% of the entire population of the United States. Those suffering from GAD are characterized by persistent and excessive worry. Many constantly anticipate disaster and can be overly concerned about money, family, health, work, or endless arrays of other issues. People with generalized anxiety disorder find it difficult to control their worry and their fretting, and they may expect the worst even when there is no apparent reason for concern. For them, the feelings of worry and anxiety are present more than they are absent. Physical effects like headaches, muscle aches and tension, stomach aches, twitching, hot flashes, all of those things take place in the body of human beings because of worry and fretting to the excess. Social effects in, uh, involve missed opportunities because of fear. Avoid, avoiding friendships or relationships. Uh, the loss of jobs because people struggle 
to carry out their daily activities. Generalized anxiety disorder, along with many other disorders associated with anxiety, are most often related to difficulty tolerating any kind of uncertainty. All of us deal with uncertainty. It is a part of, of life. Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. We're living in a day and an hour that is positive proof of that. The coronavirus and the COVID-19 uh, situation that we are presently going through, uh, the problems that we experienced during 9-11 uh, several years ago uh, as we were attacked on our homeland, uh, the wars that our young people have fought and our military have bravely waged in our behalf. Moms and dads and husbands and wives and sons and daughters that had to endure seeing their loved ones going off to a foreign field to fight a battle. All of those things contribute. Financial worries, concerns about the choices that our children are making, the direction that seemingly our country is heading. All of these things add up to worry and fret and anxiety. J.D., along with many other anxiety disorders that exist because of uncertainty. As a result of that, many times people try to seek to control everything around them. They want to put their hand on everything and they want to micromanage life. And as a result, their blood pressure goes up and, and they become very short-tempered and they eventually are overwhelmed by life situations because no one has the capability of controlling every issue around them. We're not that big. We're not that smart. We're not that capable. That's why Jesus taught us these wonderful truths in Matthew chapter 6. As a matter of fact, starting in chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, we are giving, given that, that, that beautiful teaching and, and all of those things that are taught within the confines of those three chapters uh, cater to the concept of trusting God. When things are out of control and you're not in control, remember God is in control. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell us. We can trust and we can learn to trust. And this is one of the most difficult things that people in this world do is is letting go of the steering wheel of their life and turning it over to Jesus. J.T. Fisher, a psychiatrist from the 1950s, wrote that if all the data and discoveries of psychology were distilled in order to come up with the best thing people could do to impact their overall mental health. This is what he said. It would be to live by the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. The basic premises of the kingdom of God. The teachings of Jesus will drive fear 
from our lives. I heard the story of a little boy. It was dark, yet early in the evening. And his mom told the little boy, he said, Son, will you go on the back porch and will you fetch the broom for me so mom can sweep the floor? And the little boy was so taken back by the idea of going outside on the back porch when it was dark. And his mom realized that he was afraid. And so she said, in order to encourage him, Jesus is out there. God is on the back porch. You don't have to be afraid. So the little boy tiptoed to the back door, and he barely opened the door, and his mom heard him say, Jesus, Mom said you're out there on the back porch. Could you hand me the broom, please? That's the way a lot of us are in our lives, is that we are afraid, and fear dominates us. I heard another story of a little boy. It was uh, in the middle of the night, and a thunderstorm came up, and it was booming and shaking the house. Lightning was flashing through the window, and the little boy got up out of his bed and ran down the hallway to mom and dad's room and said, Mama, can I sleep with you? No, son, you need to go back to your room. Everything will be okay. But mom, could you come sleep with me? No, son, I can't do that. Your dad needs me to sleep with him. And the little boy was heard going back to his room saying, Hey, big sissy. The Sermon on the Mount answers God's call to us concerning worry and mental health. We're living in a day and an hour when we don't know exactly what to do with this coronavirus and COVID-19. It it seems as though on uh, the news every morning we're hearing something new or something different or uh, fear is, is... being propagated and peddled on the television and radio and and in the newspapers and headlines. Everywhere you go, it seems as though our minds are being bombarded with a concept of fear and worry and fretting. Matthew chapter 5 teaches us the personality of our faith. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers and the merciful and the meek, and on he goes, telling us about attitudes that should literally fill our lives. They are the person of Jesus being revealed in us through the help of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 5, if we live it out, really allows us the person of Christ, His influence, salt and light, and then ultimately His love flowing through our lives where we are declared to be children of our Father and we have a testimony that we please God. And and if we'll live by Matthew chapter 5, we will understand that we're learning how to trust God and to be like Jesus and to depend upon Him. It's not all up to us. Matthew chapter 6 reveals to us the practice of our faith. It allows us to pray properly. It positions us to live in the providence of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew chapter 7, uh, 5 teaches us the personality of our faith. 6 teaches us the practice of our faith. Then 7 teaches us the power of our faith. Jesus said, if you do the things that I say, you'll be like a man who built his house upon the rock. And when the winds and the waves come to test your house, the Bible says it will stand because it's founded on the rock. What a powerful, powerful truth that Jesus has given to us in the Word of the Lord. 2,000-year-old statements that fell from the lips of Jesus. These things can benefit our lives today and can allow us to overcome the struggles and the issues that plague us and our lives every day. I want to give you three things this morning about overcoming worry and winning over it. Number one, I want us to talk a little bit about worry's faulty perspective. Verses 19 through 25 reveal to us worry's faulty perspective. Perspective is everything. That's what some people say. And it has a whole lot to do with the success or the failure of our life because it is our outlook. It's the way we view things. It is our worldview. It is the way we, we are able to, to interpret life. And it, we, we can interpret life through our own eyes and our own human understanding or we can allow the Holy Spirit as a, a Christian to give us the viewpoint of God. We can look at things through the eyes of Jesus. And if we do, we're going to understand that if we live in fear and worry and fretting, our perspective is going to be influenced by it. And it's going to be one that is going to send our lives in a totally wrong direction. Worry sets in when the lens through which we see life is out of focus. Jesus gives us the analogy of of seeing life either with light in our eyes or darkness in our eyes. Really, what he's telling us is we're seeing life either clearly or in a blurred vision. We have to see life correctly if we're going to live an overcoming Christian life. Three things I want to share with you this morning about a faulty perspective. Number one, our perspective helped by the Holy Spirit. Please understand that. This is the perspective of a Christian. Our perspective must be influenced by faith and not just fact. Too many people take the word of a man, and and I'm not saying that we shouldn't listen to scientists. I'm not saying we shouldn't listen uh, to those who have knowledge concerning things that we don't have, uh, that would be wisdom. And the Bible actually teaches us to do that. But I'm telling you, as a Christian, as a Christian, our perspective must be influenced by faith and not fact. Last week I preached to you, the just shall live by faith. We shall walk by faith and not by sight. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8-17, through 17, 
the Bible tells us a powerful story about the prophet Elijah. Elisha was uh, located in a, a city fortress called Dothan. And there with his uh, servant, they had located there. And the enemies of the people of God were called the Arameans. And the king of Aram sent his soldiers to surround the fortress city of Dothan. And when, when the prophet of God woke up, one morning he looked out and all around the city of Dothan was surrounded by the army of the Arameans. And they were obviously outnumbered as far as horses and chariots and swords and spears and in the natural. And his, pro his, his servant said, what are we going to do? We're surrounded and, and, and there are more of them. There, our enemies outnumber us. And, and listen to what Elisha says. Elisha says, listen, there are more who are for us than there are those who are against us. Now, I, I want to say to you that if you were looking in the natural, which a lot of people are in the day and the hour that we live, and, 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 and folks, we have to live in this world, but I'm telling you, we have to look in the world at the world in a right way. We have to look at it through the eyes of faith, not just fact. Elisha saw something that the servant didn't see. Elisha saw chariots of fire, angels standing on the horizon with drawn, fiery swords. And he knew that God was there and that the Lord was going to provide for them. And that's why he could say with confidence when in the natural they were outnumbered, but he saw into the spiritual and God was showing him, hey, you're going to make it. I'm with you. There are more for you than there are against you. And he prayed for the servant of God. And this is what I'm praying for you this morning in your perspective. This is what I'm asking God to do in every one of you who are listening to this broadcast, every one of you who are listening to this message. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will anoint your God perspective in such a way that you will see what God sees uh, and you will not be moved just by what fact says uh, and you'll not be moved just by what you see in the natural. Friend, hear me. There are more for us than there are against us. Uh, he prayed for the servant and the servant's eyes were open. In verse 17, the Bible says uh, that the servant's eyes were open uh, and he saw the hillside just like Elisha did and he said, you're right, Elisha, there are more for us than there are against us. I'm telling you, friend, we need our perspective constantly influenced by faith and not by fact. To be a successful follower of Jesus Christ and to overcome worries, faulty perspective. Secondly, we need a perspective that has to be Christ-focused. You remember in the story in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus has sent His disciples across the ocean. Uh, the Sea of Galilee and, and that big large lake and, and a storm came up while they were trying to make their way to the other side and you remember it looked as though the ship was going to be destroyed but in the midst of the night at the last watch of the night the Bible said Jesus came walking on the water thank God he's walking on the water today he's coming to you and I in our need whatever situation we're in I just want you to know Jesus is walking above the storms of life uh, he's not under the water he's above the storm 
because He is, He can lift you up out of your storm. And the Scripture says that as Jesus made His way to where the disciples were, Peter said, Lord, if it's really You, let me come to You. Bid me come to You is what the King James Version says. And so Jesus said, come. And so Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk on the water just like Jesus. And he was making his way to the Lord, and it seems as though he gets almost there, and then the Bible says this, and it happens to so many of us human beings. He began to see the wind, and he began to watch the waves. And when he did, instantly, that connection between him and Jesus was broken, and he began to sink. And all he could do at that moment was cry out, Lord, save me. That's where a lot of you are this morning. And it's all right to be there because that's a human condition. Peter was there. Simon was there. I'm telling you, he began to sink beneath the circumstances of his life. But all he could do was cry out, Lord, save me. And I'm challenging you this morning if worry's got you down, if fret has overcome you, if you're beginning to sink because of the winds and the waves, if the things of life have challenged you to a point that you are beginning to sink beneath the waves, cry out, Jesus, save me. And the Bible says that Jesus reached down His hand and picked Peter up out of the ocean, out of the waves, and He led him back to the safety of the boat. And both of them got into the vessel and then instantly they were to the other side. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you that if your perspective is being influenced by COVID-19 alone, you're in a miserable place. But if your perspective is being influenced by Jesus Christ and a focus on Him, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, who for the joy that was set before Him endured this cross, despising the shame, and is now set down on the right hand of God. I am telling you this morning, if you'll look to Jesus, uh, He'll lift you above the shadows. He'll lift you out of the storm-tossed sea. He'll walk with you through a fiery furnace. He'll be with you in every circumstance of your life. Life and your perspective will be one that is ordered by the Lord. And instead of the trouble of life and the sorrows of life, your view will be the Savior. And thirdly, worry's faulty perspective has to be influenced by faith and not just fact. Perspective must be Christ-focused and perspective must also be continually, and everybody say continually, <laughs> perspective must be continually adjusted by Jesus. I've discovered that you just can't just can't get one attitude adjustment in your life. You've got to you've got to get several. Because life has a way of uh, influencing us almost every day and perspective must be continually adjusted by Jesus. And and in Mark chapter 8, there's a beautiful story. Christ goes to the city of Bethsaida. It's a real muddy place, a low place. There's a lot of standing water. It just is, is, is kind of a bayou, if you want to call it that in Arkansas language. And, and, and so that city, was the streets were always muddy, and there was, it was dirty and, 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 and dank. And, and, and if you can imagine, so the, the ground just, just smushed between your feet as you'd walk through the streets. And there was a blind man there, and Jesus went to that city, and, and, and he wanted to minister to this blind man. So he takes him out of the muck and mire of Bethsaida. I tell you, that's one of the things that needs to happen to us. We need to let Jesus 
give us an attitude adjustment in the sense of taking us out of our present circumstance, our sin, our sorrow, our grief, our worry, our fretting, and we need to let Him take us on that journey of faith where He can set our feet on a solid rock. We sang a song this morning in our worship, and it's so powerful. The Lord sets our feet upon a solid rock. He lifts us up out of the miry clay, Psalm Chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. He establishes our coming and our goings. And in this story, Jesus, before He healed the man, He took him out of his circumstances. Uh, I'm telling you, it would be a sad thing if Jesus saved you and just left you in your circumstances. Uh, I'm telling you, salvation will lift you up out of the miry clay and He'll set you on a solid rock uh, so that you can live a successful life. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus takes him out of the city and then the Bible says He's... He spits in his eye. Boy, most of us say, I don't want him for a pastor. Why did he spit in my eye? And and, and see, we can't get past stuff like that. Jesus spit in his eyes. And and, and then the Bible says that he laid his hands on him. And and he said, now, uh, your eyes be opened. And, and, And Jesus said, can you see? And the man said, I see men like trees walking. In other words, his vision was blurred. It wasn't clear. I see men like trees walking. And, and, and so the first time his vision got better, he began to see some, but he didn't see correctly. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you, there's a lot of folks walking around that need a second touch, that need a third touch, that need a fourth touch, that need a new adjustment. We let the things of life blur our vision. We get clear for a while and then dust flies in our face and the glare of gold and the dust of doubt and the view of vanity and the dim of darkness and the winds of worry and the blur of blindness all come and our eyes begin to dim again. But if we'll let Jesus touch us again, we can see clearly. The first time, the second time, the third time. I heard a story about a, a young paratrooper. First time he'd ever jumped out of a plane. He'd been through the training. And they, were, they were up in the air. They had reached the height, and, and uh, they were ready to jump. And, and, and everybody had jumped except this one guy, and, and he was so nervous. And he was standing at the door, and, and, and the, the, the guy, the sergeant, told him, he said, look, follow directions. When you jump, count to three. Pull the string on your right. If it doesn't open, count to three. Pull the string on your left. And then when you get to the ground, the truck will pick you up down there. And so he got to the door, and he just couldn't jump, so the sergeant pushed him out. And and when he did, when he did, he counted to three, and he pulled the string on the right, nothing happened. Oh, my. He said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, one, two, three, and he pulled the string on the left. And, and sad to say, nothing happened. And he looked back up, like to say to the sergeant, yeah, and I bet that truck ain't down there either. In other words, nothing, nothing that he said, nothing that the sergeant told him had happened. I'm telling you, friend, this morning, sometimes life can dish out those kinds of deals and we get our perspective clouded by the stuff of life and the circumstances of this life. Uh, But if we'll let Jesus touch us a second time, if we'll let Jesus touch us again and again and again and again, God will give us a clear perspective about life. Let me hurry on this morning. 
Worries, faulty perspective. Worries, futile efforts. Verse 27 tells us, listen, which one of you can add an inch to your stature or your height by worrying? Jesus said, that's vain. You can't do that. You can't just worry about something and then it changed the circumstances. Worry is a futile effort. Worry is a futile effort and a waste of valuable mental energy and effort. Let me give you three things real quick. Verse 27 teaches us. Worry can't change things. Just because you're worrying about it, because your mind's preoccupied about it, that will not change anything. As a matter of fact, it will only make it worse. If you focus on bad things, bad things are the only thing that you can contemplate or receive or manifest in your life. You see, worry doesn't change things. You are paralyzed by worry. We need to get our focus off of the problem and onto the solution. Faith will move us into a place where we're not worried about the mountain, we're focused on the mountain mover. Worry doesn't change things, but faith does. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. Speak to the mountain. Be removed. Cast into the sea. And it shall be done. Worry reminds me of a man that I heard about. He was walking down the road with his head down and he was dragging a long rope behind him. And somebody walked up to him after watching him for a good long ways and he's just with his head down and he's dragging that rope. And the guy asked him, he says, what in the world are you doing? And the guy said, I've had a bad day. It's really been tough. He said, I'm so confused. I don't know whether I've found a rope or lost my mule. And there are a lot of people today that are just like that. They are so focused on their problem. They're so focused on their difficulty that they can't see the solution in their life. May God help us today to understand that worry is a lost cause that it can add an inch to our height it can't conquer things worry is a waste of time and precious energy worry can't contribute to things it is a thief that robs us of life opportunities nothing good ever comes out of worry it can't change the past it only magnifies it what has been is what has been the only thing we can do is learn from it grow from it, correct our mistakes if possible, and by the grace of God endure the consequences of our actions and, and another's because we certainly cannot change the circumstance. Worry cannot control or predict the future. The best we can do is prepare for the future. Worry will not help us do that at all. It only paralyzes us and saps us of our energy for living in this moment. It does not lessen the load. It really adds to the weight of our life. James Merritt, very powerful Baptist preacher, said, worry never solved a problem. Worry never dried a tear. Worry never lifted a burden. He likened worry to shoveling smoke. It is a useless endeavor. 
Why waste your time engaged in an activity that doesn't yield any results? More, even more than that, worry de demonstrates a lack of faith and a lack of focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus actually calls those of us who worry a name. He called us little faith. Worry is the enemy of faith. Faith is the cure to worry. I pray this morning that in this hour when so many people are worried and consumed with fear, that we will let Jesus be our focus and that from that focus our faith will be encouraged and we will not be called little faith, we will be called great faith. Believe in God for what He can do in our lives. Well, let me give you the third thing as I close this morning. Worries, faulty perspective, worries, futile efforts. And in verses 26 through 30, we have worries, final cure. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In verses 26 through 30, uh, Jesus talks about our Heavenly Father knowing what we have need of. And because of it, we seek first the kingdom of God. Let me, let me give you three things real quick. Number one, the way we cure worry is that we realize God's parental compassion for us. God's a good parent. God is called our heavenly father. There are a lot of absentee fathers in America. There are a lot of absentee dads in the world. There are a lot of men who have abandoned ship when it comes to responsibility. But I'm telling you, the Bible tells us that our Heavenly Father will never leave us nor forsake us, that He will be with us always, and that He will be faithful to us to take care of us. He knows what we have need of, and because of it, we have confidence in Him. God is a faithful parent, and He's a compassionate Father. You see... The reason God takes care of us is because of our relationship with Him. My little boy, Michael, uh, he's, he's not little anymore. He, he's he's 40, 42 years old. will soon be 43 in, 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 uh, in August of this year. And that makes his mother really old. I, I don't know how that happened. But when he was when he was just a baby, he, he was so sick. For the first for the first really year of his life, he, he was just a, a handful. He was sick constantly. And then and then after he got past those stomach issues, he, he began to develop lung problems and he had pneumonia several, several times and 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 uh, he, he he was also he's sweet as sugar, but he was mischievous. I, I remember uh, really the first Christmas that we had with him that he could remember and really enjoy. He crawled up in the, in the middle of our Christmas tree and just got r lights all wrapped around him and broke the Christmas tree down. We had to take it down and, and uh, trying to get candy canes off of it. I guess that teaches us we shouldn't have tempted him like that. But what I'm saying is he got into a lot of difficulties. He challenged us as, as our son. He, he, he did things that, 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 
just really tried our patience. But let me tell you, we didn't throw him away. We didn't, we didn't give him to somebody else. We didn't put him on swap shop. <laughs> we, we didn't say, hey, we have a used son for sale. <laughs> no. Why, 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 don't, why, why do you not do that? I mean, he, he kept us awake at nights. He, he troubled us. Uh, he, it was a problem, but, but it's really not. Why? Because he's our son. He was our child. He, we loved Him. He, he was our flesh and blood. And friend, I want to tell you, God feels the same way about you as His child. Your position trumps your performance. You don't always please God. You don't always do the things that He wants you to do. You don't always put a smile on His face. But I'm telling you, God never thinks about throwing you away. He is a faithful father. He is a compassionate parent. He is there because you are bound to Him by relationship. That's why worry can be thrown out the door. That's why we don't fret and concern ourselves today with a lot of things that other people spend time and, and, and energy on. Why? Because we have a Father who loves us. Not only God's parental compassion, but God's providing care. The Bible tells us that when Israel was in the wilderness, Israel was... Was, was God's child, if you will. And they were making their way to the promised land, but it took them a long time to get there. Forty years, a little over. And they messed up so many times. And they had opportunities that they wasted. And they displeased the Lord so much. But through it all and in it all, every day, I want you to look at it, every day, the cloudy pillar of God's presence guided them. And then at night when they would, would camp out in the wilderness, the fiery pillar was there to protect them. And every morning they got up, there was bread on the ground, manna that would form, and the people would go out and pick it up. And God for 40 years provided a guiding presence and a protecting presence and a providing presence. Why? Because He is a faithful Father who provides for those that He has covenanted to love. And I want to say to you this morning as a child of God, don't let the devil wear you out over how you're going to make it. Don't let the devil plant those seed thoughts of doubt and fear and unbelief in your mind. When he does, you rise up and say, Devil, I have a Father in heaven who loves me and he said if I would seek him first, he would take care of me and food, clothing, and shelter would be the last of my concerns. And then finally, the last cure for worry, God's parental compassion, God's providing care, and God's purposeful command. Seek ye first. You know, God tells us to do things just like any good parent would do. We give our children rules and regulations. We give them admonitions. We give them things that they need to do. And we challenge them. And God does the same thing with us as His people. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. This is God's purposeful command. It is not God's command just for the sake of a command. It is God's purposeful command. 
Listen, if you go to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the way of sinners, nor, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, it shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so, for they are like the chaff, the, uh, blown by the wind. God's saying there's a difference between my people and the people of this world. God says, I've given you purposeful commands. If you'll walk in my commandments, if you'll keep my statutes, if you'll meditate in my word, listen, there's blessings and boundaries. And that's God's purposeful command to you. If you'll seek the kingdom, stay out of the stuff of the world, your life's going to be blessed. There Fences can be blessings. Don't cross the fence because on the other side there's a raging bull that's going to get you. I can testify to that. As a five-year-old kid, I can testify to that. Grandpa says don't get in the field. And there's a reason he says that. Because there's a red bull out there that will absolutely run you over. And if God says stay inside my blessings, seek first the kingdom, walk in my ways, keep my commandments, meditate in my law. If you'll do these things, I'll bless you. Coming in, going out, rising up, lying down, in the field, in the marketplace, in the fruit of your uh, loins, in your basket, and in your store. I will bless you. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to have this time together around the Word of God and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will just touch every heart and every life. Challenge us in this day of worry and fretting and concern. Yes, Lord, it is a new challenge. Most of us in this country have never been through something like we're going through now. But in and all, in and through it all, you are faithful God. You are a faithful Father. And I pray today for the people of God, people of faith everywhere, that we will not let fear and unbelief and doubt twist our minds or turn our faith away from our focus on Jesus. I thank You, Lord. I thank You, Lord. If you've watched this broadcast this morning, the Holy Spirit spoke into your heart, I want to challenge you to pray with me right now. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I, I don't have a faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. And you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart this morning. God wants to save you right there where you are. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment to pray with me. And I believe God will save you. I believe He'll forgive you of your sins and give you a new life to live. Maybe you're listening to Pastor this morning and say, Pastor, I'm backslidden. I'm, I'm away from God. I've known the Lord, but today I'm not really serving Jesus. I'm, I'm lukewarm in my spirit. Maybe you're cold and indifferent, so far away from God, but you want to get back to the Lord. Today you can pray a prayer with me that will start the beginning of a new life for you. And maybe you're here this morning as a child of God and you're watching this broadcast. I want you to close your eyes with me right now as a child of God. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer too. And I want you to commit yourself to believe.
God and to walk in the Lord's ways in these difficult times, I'm telling you, He'll prove Himself to you. Father, I pray right now for every person who may be without a Savior. Lord, those who know they're not saved, I ask You today by Your Spirit to convict them of their sin. They repent and turn from that sin and say yes to Christ. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and save me. Lord, Your Word says if we repent of our sins and if we call upon the name of the Lord, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, I pray for that backslider today. I pray for that person who's away from You, cold and indifferent, uncommitted, unconcerned. Holy Spirit, in this day of trouble, I pray that You'll call them back to the cross and that they will stir their hearts and let the fire and the flame of commitment once again burn bright in their hearts. Touch them and call them back. Back to the throne room of God. Back to the foot of the cross. Back to the Father's house. And Lord, I pray for every child of God this morning. Touch them. Encourage them. Lord, if they've allowed the world to dictate how they're feeling. Holy Spirit, You take charge of their feelings this morning. Jesus, we put our eyes on You. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Our help comes from God. And I pray today, Father, that Your Spirit will encourage every child of God. Lord, we're going to make it because You're on our side. You're for us and not against us. And if God be for us, who can be successful in being against us? That's Your promise. That's Your Word. Sing this with me, would you, before we go home? Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace. To trust Him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Father, let Your best blessing rest upon the people's lives today. I pray that You'll encourage us by Your wonderful Word, by Your Spirit. And may we, as the people of God, be a blessing to others this week. Use our lives for Your glory. Jesus name. Amen and amen. Until we have the privilege to meet you again by means of this podcast, God bless you. Go with the Lord. He'll go with you.